It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch, brought to you by Blackstone Motors Summer Sales Event. Get low as can be APR, zero deposit and finance arranged within four hours. There's never been a better time to get to Blackstone Motors, Dundalk, Drogheda or Cavan. You're very welcome to Tuesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Lots of chat and guests to meet as usual over the next couple of hours. And we have that signature furniture competition, three parts. It is on each show uh, during the week here on Late Lunch. Three parts to the uh, questions, three answers I need, and then a final answer from you with all three. And today's prize is a floor rug. It's beautiful, 1.7 by 1.2 metres, so it's a big, big floor rug. It's worth almost €200. I'll tell you about that in a few moments. But first today, I met my next guest a couple of years ago on the show when he published a book called The Oscar for Life. And he's back with me today on the line because, listen to this, Declan Loy has completed 32 triathlons in 32 counties in 32 days. Is he able to have a word with me at all? Declan, afternoon. Afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for taking my call. Me dad used to say, I'm booked after a hard day's work. Are you booked? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm like, uh, no, I'm not. I'm back, 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 back to work, back into action. So I was a wee bit tired yesterday. Um, a wee bit tired yesterday, but... Uh, but no, all 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 good, all 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 all, uh, all good. Can't complain whatsoever. No, no, you are a man who pushes himself because I want to remind our listeners that you're known as Iron Dad in the family because last year you, you set a new Guinness World Record after completing 32. Listen to this, folks: 32 Ironmans in a year. It's absolutely incredible. Why did you take on this particular challenge this time round? I think the the it probably actually came from the time where I had uh, wrote the book, the the Oscar for Life, and you know in the book the Oscar for Life talks about inspiration, and we all get those moments of inspiration in life where potential is flashed before us, and we either have a choice to say yes to it or no to it. And um, my into I had decided to do a triathlon a number of years back, and I did my first seventy point three mile triathlon in, in May 2017 and uh, it took me a long time to it took me six hours 43 minutes to do it and uh, I was in I was in pain that night and um, but then that evening I was just sitting at home and I was relaxing and chilling and this idea flashed into my head uh, of I wonder what the world record is for doing the most 70.3s and I had I had written a book about uh, you know following 
following inspirations, mm. as I would call it. And I, I sort of says, well, you've got five seconds to take action. So I took action, seeing the world record was 23. And I said, I could do that. And uh, I, I applied to the Guinness World Records for that challenge. So, and I ended up I ended up doing it and completing the 30, 70.3 races within 12-month period, traveling to 20 countries and 30 cities. So, but for somebody, for me to do that was, would, 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 would it blows my mind because I, I literally had only about eight months training before I even attempted that record. Um, and, and for me to be able to do it was probably um, surreal sort of thing. But when I was coming towards the end of that challenge, I just had, I, I was traveling around the world and it was lonely. And I was, you know, I was, um, I was lonely traveling. And it was, it was, that challenge was probably tougher than the 32 days. But I had, as I, I was coming to the end of that, I just had this, another moment of inspiration. And I just had this flash of, of seeing going around Ireland to all 32 counties, completing 111 kilometres a day in, in each county in Ireland and people coming out and joining us and supporting it. And, and, uh, and it, it sort of felt right to me. And I said, I didn't get into all the reasons why it couldn't be done. It just felt right. And I went, and I went with it. And, um, yeah, that's that's where the, that's where it all started. And okay. Came from. So it came from uh, the Guinness World Record that you set, and you were feeling a little. Let's do something back home or closer to home with my own people. I just want to remind listeners that you mentioned 111 kilometres, and that is the triathlon. It's a 1k swim, a 100k cycle, and a 10k run. Now here's the thing: every county in Ireland. This has to be planned and enacted with the help of many people. How important were the triathlon clubs in each county around the the country? Huge. Um, like I, I, when I started the challenge off, I always had myself convinced the physical challenge wasn't the challenge at all, and and it was the logistical challenge. So I sort of said, "How am I going to do this?" And I so I reached out to triathlon clubs in in each county and. The majority of counties and uh, triathlons clubs said yes. We'll we'll help you. We'll set up the local challenge for you with you, and and you know without their support, I, w- I wouldn't have got uh, I wouldn't have got it so easy um, um, as I did. So triathlon clubs was massive, massively important. And then you know, and within those triathlon clubs, obviously, is key people. Too, too many to mention in the show, but even logistics wise, like. Um, one guy who really helped to spark the idea um, um, to give it life really was 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 a, a, co- a guy called Peter Tomney there from Santa Chaplin Club and Vontu Cycling Studio, and I shared the idea with Peter, and Peter sort of said, "Look, yes, I'll, uh, you know, he he would help, he would help me to bring it about and and that." So without his help and support, I, I couldn't have done it. And there was various other people, like you know, even the accommodation, uh, logistics, and accommodation. Um, there was a, a lady we ended up meeting via the Super U, and she ended up taking up the, the accommodation, and, and and thankfully, lots of hotels sponsored and sponsored that end. So it's just, it was just logistically, it was a huge operation, mm. and but it all, in the end, it all came together so easy. Um, you know, it, I, I hate to, to use that word, but. Uh, because it is such a big thing that we've done, yeah. But um, I suppose it they, it did come together e- easy when you have, I suppose, the right support, as you say, you know. 
Yeah, and, and and going around and doing this, who was with you? Who accompanied you? Had you you mentioned Peter there? Had you had you people with you all the way round? Yeah, so, so the, the people came out all over the country and and supported it. So and the there was three days I was doing the challenges by myself, and those were tough days. And um, but when people came out, it made it so much easier. I fed up their energy, and that and that helped me to do the challenge. Um, it, it, with the uh, logistics. Um, Peter would have been with me most of the days driving the van and setting up all my nutrition and setting up everything so I didn't have to worry about that. Mm. Uh, and another guy was uh, Alan um, would have been with, with me uh, for I think it was about six days as well. So I had help. I couldn't have, I could not, it, it wasn't me that um, did this challenge or broke this record. It was all of the people that helped because I seriously could not have done it without them, hugely mm. so, you know. Big team effort, uh, one man at the helm, of course. Did you actually feel towards the end a little weary? Honestly, like after 32, in 32 days, you must at the end have felt, you know, I'm getting there, but it's been tough this last little bit. I, 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 look, the number one question I got asked every day was, how's the body? And, yeah. Um, you know, in doing a big, massive challenge like that, reality would tell you, well, you're going to be suffering. Mm. But, I, but I, that wasn't my experience. Um, I, I was comfortable doing it. And it, and it was relative, not that it was easy, but it was relatively easy. Now, did I have days where I kicked the bike and wanted to throw the bike into the field? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and at one stage towards the end, I think there was, I just, I, I think I... I think I was out. I, I was out in in with a. Um, I think it was Carlo, and I had said to the lads, oh, "I can't do this. No, I can't do this. I'm bad enough. I'm backing in." And the lads would just encourage me to to keep going, to keep going, you know. But those days where I just I just had to get rid of the how would you say the the, the negative voices that was going on in my head, trying to convince me to stop. I had days where look, you know, for three hours in the day. It'd be going over and over in your head. You know, that wee voice is trying to convince you to stop and quit and give in. But you just—I just had to be aware of it and, and let it run its course. And then the next thing, I ended up getting through it. And the next thing, I ended up getting run faster times. So as the 32 days went on, I, I did look. It wasn't easy, but it, but it was comfortable, and I got faster. My swims got faster. My bikes got faster. My runs got faster. And the last day, I recorded um, my fastest run ever um, in, in the 10k and um, and swim wise was my second fastest ever so I, 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 I last time around I had loads of heartache and, and pressure mm. and injury niggles and injuries but this time around I really can't say that I had had um, I had niggles and I had muscles which were sore but the, again I had the support in nearly 20 of the counties uh, massage guys would come out and help me. Recovery guys would offer recovery room services. I, I just, it, I had everything that I needed to succeed uh, in the team around me, and the, doing, doing the physical challenge became easy as a result of that. Um, nutrition, recovery, sleep, um, hotels, all of that made it made it easier. Yeah. If that hadn't been in place, yeah, I probably would have been talking. A different story today, you know, mm. where would where it would have been tougher. So, um, but I, unfortunately, I would love to be able to say I, my toe—not love, but you know—I've heard stories of people doing lots of challenges and their toes hanging off and their legs hanging off and all this. 
but that wasn't that wasn't me. No such thing with you. Uh, are you content now, or is there anything else in your mind? The way the other one happened, this happened so quickly after the round world one. Are, are you done? This this one happened. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Is there any other ideas that come to me? Uh, business ideas more than anything. But for for doing physical challenges, no, nothing, nothing else is bubbling up in me for doing the physical challenge. Having said that, now, I, uh, the strange thing is I've actually never raced a triathlon. Um, I've, I've done that many triathlons, but I've never raced one. So I am going to race a triathlon. Uh, He's away again. Look at this. He's one your... triathlon. One triathlon. One, okay. Yeah, there's no Not such thing as one. Or two or two. <laughs> no, one. I just, I'd like to give one triathlon. I, I'm probably the fittest I've ever been in my life now. And um, so it's, it, I don't want to waste that. And uh, I'm going to give... One triathlon ago, where I'm going to race, see what I really have from a speed point of view. Um, yeah, and look at good luck to you with that as well. Nice to talk to you today. Have to let you go there. See you soon, hopefully, with a, your next project or maybe your next book or something like that. You're a great fella. Thanks for joining Thanks. me, Declan. Cheers, thanks. Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Declan Loy there. What an achievement. 32 triathlons in 32 counties in 32 days. And he did support a wonderful charity, I want to say as well, called Super You. They're a great charity working with young people. And that was part of it as well. First break of the afternoon on your late lunch. When I mentioned Clarehead, the lifeboat there, the football club, the community... One name always springs to my mind. It's Padraig Rath, and he's on the line with me this afternoon. Padraig, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for taking our call. Let me ask you this first. The sail training vessel, the Brian Baru, calls to Clarehead. Tell people what, what, what that is about. It was uh, the sail training vessel. She's an old uh, fishing boat, Scottish-built fishing boat, that was converted into a sail training vessel. And um, a few years back there, when the Maritime Festival started in Drada, the, uh, the Drada Port Company set up a, a sail training bursary. And uh, even though the, the Maritime Festival is not going ahead this year, they decided to carry on with the sail training bursary for young people in the area. And uh, on the day that they left Drada, they decided, the man who was in charge, uh, decided that they'd come to Clarehead to have a look as the new Shannon Class lifeboat and show the crew what a Shannon Class lifeboat looks like because it only arrived a few days before that. Right, OK, so that's the context of this visit to uh, Clarehead Lifeboat Station. Now, a number of people avail of these bursaries, the young people, and it's aimed at what? Teaching them to sail, is it, uh, Padraig? It is, uh, Jerry. yes. It, it, it's getting people, uh, children or young, young people that would be interested or maybe even people that have no interest in the sea, have no connection with the sea, maybe just on an adventure, and to get them to actually work in, in pairs and work as a team mm. to actually control the sailing boat. Uh, and they, they all get jobs when they go on the boat. Um, the day we're, we're talking about, uh, Niall, or sorry, Ronan, um, he was actually looking after the galley himself and another girl who was on the boat, that was their job for the day. The following day, then there was something else to do. So it's getting them to, to know what it's going to see is like and being able to work as a team and, and, and see how things were done all over the years, all down the years, and that uh, with sailing ships. 
Yes, and it's a great, great bursary to be granted. And anyone who goes in it, I know, and I've spoke to a couple of people who've been, they really, really enjoy it. And it sets them fair for life on the seas. Now, Ronan, you mentioned there, is Ronan Collins. And he's 16 years of age and he has a bursary and he's on this boat and it arrives into Clotterhead and you're there and he's there. And you surprise this young man. Tell us what happened. Yeah, well, I, I kind of met Ronan good many years back, well, I think it was about 10 years ago or more, um, with his grandfather, uh, the late Noel Keane, as we all knew him at school, Jim Keane. Yes. Um, and that, and uh, just, we were inside in the boat and chatting away, I was showing him around the new boat and how it worked and what have you. And I just happened to ask the question, like, how come, uh, why did people, why do you apply for the, to go on, on, on the trip? So one or two of them said, I just said it, have a go, see what it was like, you know. And Ronan happened to say it, and he said, uh, well, my peop- my grandparents or dad people before him were lighthouse, had something to do with the lighthouse keeping and that. So then, uh, obviously, I knew Ronan from before. Um, he approached me here at the Chernobyl swim um, last December and himself and his mother and that and he was to come to visit the station that year because he had, he had another project on, 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 uh, in mind and that which he's still going to go ahead with as well and um, so I said I just happened to think about it then um, the, I said do you ever uh, leave, do you leave your ties here a few years ago and he says uh, he started laughing he said I, I think I did he said so I, I uh, I had him downstairs because his grandfather used to always bring him in when they come to flower to come in and have a look around, see the boat. He used to give them colour and pictures and stuff like that. And at times we used to have lollipops and different things and stickers and what have you. So they, they used to always come for them. On this particular day, they went away without the ties and I put them into a press and they remained there until the day that they actually arrived in Flower Head on the, on, 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 on the sailing ship. Oh, what a lovely story this is. So you were the guardian, Padraig, of the toys for 10 years in Clarehead Lifeboat Station and he's now reunited with them. Well, he, I'm, I'm still the guardian of them, Jerry. He left them, the did day, he? The day, the day that he was here, he was going, obviously they were going away yes. for the week. Yeah, yeah. And he said, look, I said, I'm not bringing them with me. He said, I'll come back and get them. So I actually met him up the street then himself and his mother and some of his relations and cousins and that um, up the Crooked Street there a few, about a month back and I said, do you want to get your ties? They're still down there. He said, no, you hold on to them. He says, we'll come down another day. Have a look through the boat. So they're still here, Jerry. <laughs> if I were a betting man, you might have them for another decade. But sure, they're not taking up that much space, are they? They're not, no, no. They're, they're down there, they're locked away, they're safe and that there, Jerry, and, and uh, oh, that's great. come from, you know. Yeah, it's great. They're toy diggers. Look, we just wanted to bring that story to our audience today and tell them. Ten years on, yes, Paul Grath has been looking after uh, the toy diggers uh, for 16-year-old now, as he is, and he left them there when he was about six with his grandparents in the Clarehead Lifeboat Station, and they're there, safe and sound, and looks like they will be for another while. Well done to you, Padraig. Cheers, Jerry. Thanks for Thanks that. For and uh, just, uh, just, uh, just, uh, just on that then as well. Like I think Ronan, he, I think the cell got into his blood because uh, he he actually went on another sail training ship as well, and he's hoping to carry it on and, and bring it further. You know. Yes. He might. Uh, he might be the captain of one of these. 
Well, Charles Gibbs, that'll be coming into draw in the next few years. Wouldn't that be just marvellous? Thanks indeed for joining me, Park. Talk to you soon. All right, Jerry. Take okay, care thanks very much. Nice Thank to you. talk to you. Thanks for taking the call. Signature furniture competition, your second word. What's the word I'm looking for here to do with the house and home? Here's the saying Don't you ever darken my something again. Don't you ever darken my what again? What's the word I'm looking for there? That's your second word we're looking for on the show today. One more to come and then you can start texting and whatsapping 086 658. It's one of our regulars. She's back today and we're glad to see her. Lots of questions already coming in. 086 658 for your questions by WhatsApp or text for Vet Sinead Kelly. Sinead, great to see you again. Nice to be back. Thanks, Jim. Thank you very much for joining us on the show. Let's start with this one. Is there any way, Sinead, of making kenneling our dog easier for her and me, says a listener. I have a six-year-old cocker spaniel and she's traumatised every time after her annual two-week visit to the kennels. Okay, I mean, the first thing I would do is... Just make sure that your kennel is a good kennels and is reputable and there's no issues. So have I presume you've inspected it and had a look around and you're happy with the staff and the services and everything. So just make sure of that. Don't presume that everything is 100% because like everything in life, there are always a few bad apples. So if you're happy that there are really good kennels and uh, that they're going to look after your dog properly. Um, I mean, a couple of things you can do. Uh, you can get a thing called a, a dappy collar, which is a dog appeasing pheromone infused collar. This produces these special kind of calming pheromones and hormones and your dog can wear that before for about a week before and during the kennel stay that helps to de-stress them a little bit. You can obviously discuss with the kennel owner and say look my dog does you know does seem to be very stressed and unhappy ask them could they bring her out for more walks could they spend more one-on-one time with her could they are they happy to cuddle her and play with her and things like that and during that chat with the kennel owner you'll get a feel for well is this kennel owner a good kennel owner and are they going to have the time to do that or are, are they not. Um, the other thing you can do I know it's like your dog has been in for two weeks and really didn't like it your other option is maybe to have a chat with the kennel owner and see can I arrange for the dog to go maybe for doggy daycare for a few days just to get used to going there for a few hours having a bit of fun and then coming home again so they get used to that feeling that they're not left there forever that they do come home so they're the kind of main things I would do um, and the other issue if your dog gets really stressed and I speak as the mother of Cleo who is the worst dog in kennels ever and I'll tell you <laughs> what I did to get Cleo looked after when I went away is crazy um, but you know is there another option um, there are some people who will mind dogs in their own homes you'll often find contacts in the vets places like that so look after could somebody look after her in their own home or in your home even would that be an option and maybe that's going to be the best thing in the end what I do with Cleo is she goes to a really 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 good friend of mine um, who looks after her now I actually go to England to this because this is the only person that Cleo will trust and settle with go she knows away, her from, when I, from my days yes. in the UK so Cleo came a little boat trip with me to go and see and stay with my friend Sarah and stayed with Sarah while we went away because I knew that Cleo and Sarah knew each other, loved each other. I trusted her and I knew everybody would be happy because Cleo's just not a happy girl in kennels. So, you know, people can look at me like I was crazy. But, I mean, you know your own dog and you know what they like and what they don't like. And all you want is you want your dog to be safe and with somebody who loves them and is looking after them. So maybe explore the possibilities. Uh, look up on the internet, have a chat with your vet, maybe looking after in somebody's home might be the best thing for, for you, might be a better thing. And do you ever doubted this woman's love of animals? I just 
never heard anything oh, like yeah, that no, before. Oh yeah, no, Cleo and I got the ferry over to the Sarah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. She stayed in the best place ever. Well done, We got you. daily photos and updates and videos all about Cleo's little holiday in Shropshire. So yeah, so we're all mad. You know, anyone anyone who has an animal will know we're all a bit touched in the head. So, but that's what you do, the things you do for your, your pet. Well, I'm thinking when you're on holidays, Cleo gets her holiday course, as well. absolutely. So it's a absolutely. win-win for, yeah, for definitely, definitely. Here's another one. Keep the uh, questions for, for Sinead coming to us 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text uh, take this one next our cat's eyes are constantly watering this past week to 10 days why is this Sinead? Is okay. there something really up? Yeah I mean there is something up you'll need to pop to the vet. A couple of things it could just be what we call a conjunctivitis so an irritation or inflammation of the little conjunctiva the membranes that kind of line the eyelids and the uh, and cover the, the bottom part of the eyes um, or it could be part of what we call a cat flu illness. So cats are prone to these infections by a few different viruses and a little parasite called chlamydia and they can cause um, ocular discharge, eye irritation redness of the membranes, also cause sniffling and sneezing and, and, and other things as well. So even if it's just the eyes, you should get it checked out because untreated, the conjunctivitis can lead to kind of infection and inflammation of the cornea and that can lead to damage of the eye. So you don't want to leave it unchecked. You're better to get it checked sooner or later. Might just need, the, 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 cats, the cat might need regular cleaning of the eyes with warm, moist cotton wool and specific medicated eye ointment or eye drops. But have a chat to the vet. Okay, get that visit done. Important to do it. A bunny rabbit question. Thank you so much. We have two pet rabbits and I saw one eating its poo the other day. Is this unusual? No, that is totally normal. Cats are, or rabbits, sorry, are totally different digesters to the way we digest. So rabbits pass little droppings called cecotrophs. And actually, they're, they're partly digested food and part fecal matter. And they're actually designed, the way the rabbit's intestinal system works, um, they're designed that the rabbit would eat them again and then they have a second go at digesting them. So it's a second option, a second way of breaking down waste products and extracting nutrition from it. And and that's what rabbits do and that's totally normal so that is not a bad thing that, that's a perfectly normal thing for rabbits to do they just if you think of rabbits in the wild they live on grass and grass can be very very difficult to digest so this kind of option of having two goes at digestion works very well for the rabbit so that's absolutely fine that's not a problem and it's one of the things that if ever we have a rabbit who maybe has surgery um, normally with dogs or cats our listeners will realise that often we do what's called a buster collar to stop them licking at the wound or scratching or chewing with a rabbit we really can't do that because that stops them eating their cecotrophs. It stops them eating the droppings and then they can get very, very sick because as well as giving them a second option of digestion, also they're kind of they're ingesting kind of vitamins and nutrients and it's very beneficial for the rabbit. So that's perfectly normal. Just let the rabbit carry on with that. So they have to do it. There yeah. you are. It's part and parcel of their life cycle. Don't be worried about it. Don't be concerned. Now this is obviously a problem that's annoying somebody. Jerry, our neighbour is feeding cats. There's been an explosion. I reckon there's more than 20 cats oh, knocking round our houses in this area. Can Sinead advise us what we should do? Okay, I mean, what I would probably do is speak to the person next door and just say, look, do you have a plan with all this feeding of the cats? Do you realise we're going to be surrounded by an awful lot of stray or wild cats? Um, maybe the person will be helpful and will agree on a plan. Maybe they won't. What I would probably do then, hopefully in liaison with the person next door, is maybe get in touch with the uh, some of the different cat charities that there are in, in Drada, so Drada Animal Rescue or the Cats Protection, um, uh, because it may well be that you can get involved in 
kind of trap neuter programme to try and get numbers down and also to look after the health of the animals. But I mean, I think, you know, you have to have a chat with the neighbour first of all. But yes, cats, you know, they breed very successfully. They can increase their numbers very, very quickly. And so you will have a big problem very, very quickly. So I don't, there's nothing kind of legally that you can do. So if the neighbour isn't helping you or isn't being cooperative, um, you're, you're a little bit stuck. And as I say, you may have to, you know, get on their better side to try and ask for a joint plan for it. Um, but I don't think there's anything legally you can do about it. Um, but obviously they are going to cause a nuisance and a problem. So have a chat with them and see, would they like some help from some of the animal charities and then take it from there? If you've up to 20 cats at the moment and that goes unchecked, yeah, it's just you gonna go, are going it's just to be gonna go crazy. inundated go with, crazy. with these so animals. So definitely have a chat with the cat yeah, And it's not fair to them or you no, or neighbours as no, well. Exactly, it's not fair to exactly, your neighbours exactly, if, if this yeah. is the case. So yeah. good advice there from Sinead. Here's a little short one. Can Sinead tell me this? Why does our dog lick his coat so much? Is there a reason for a dog licking their okay, coat? Okay, there's a few different options. The normal way, they often they just lick their coat to clean themselves or to groom themselves. Like I often notice Cleo, after she's got wet, she'll ironically lick herself to lick herself dry. There is some kind of rationale to that in that they kind of, the warmth of the, of the tongue will help you to dry. So they'll do it as a drying motion, as a cleaning motion, as a grooming motion. If they're doing it excessively, then you would wonder, are they a little bit itchy? Have they got irritated skin? So if you notice any patches of red or inflamed skin or there's 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 more itchiness or irritation then have a chat with your vet but if it's just that the dog is licking its coat then I wouldn't worry about that that is just normal behaviour that's probably just as I say normal cleaning or drying or grooming and it's good it just shows the dog is healthy and interested in keeping itself clean and nice and, and dogs like to keep themselves clean and nice so so often they'll do that Okay and next one how often do bitches come into heat and for how long okay. and to what age are female dogs productive says okay. a listener no name there yeah. Okay Right, this is a whole can of worms. Okay, so they come into season approximately every six months um, and the season kind of phase is about three weeks. Now, during that phase, there'll be about a week when they will be attractive to male dogs but won't let them mate. Then there'll be a week where they will be attracted to male dogs, will let them wait, mate, and then there'll be another week where they're still attractive and, and won't let them won't let them near them. So you have a three-week period where they'll have a, a bloody discharge from their vulva and you will attract a lot of inten- attention with your dog. So we always advise unless you're specifically planning on breeding your dog have a chat with your vet about getting your dog neutered because apart from preventing unwanted pregnancy it means that it, it protects her from the risk the higher risk of mammary tumours and of this awful thing this wound in, womb infection called a pyometra as far as how long can they carry on um, cycling and reproducing actually to quite older levels so they'll probably keep having their seasons until 10, 11 or 12 the oldest I've seen a dog being pregnant is about 10 and that was an unwanted pregnancy in a 10-year-old dog who'd never been pregnant before. And that really was not a fun experience for that poor dog. That was an awful lot to put on her. So it's not like in women where we have the menopause at about maybe, you know, early 50s, mid 50s. They, they don't seem to go through that. They can keep cycling quite late on in life. So if your dog isn't neutered, it is really a much healthier option to get her neutered uh, and have a chat with your vet about that. Next one, Sinead. Hi, I have a Bichon Friese and lately she has started to go mad at night and in the early morning barking to get out. And then when she's out, she's barking to get in. She comes in, she's pulling out our blankets in and out of the bed. If I tell her off, she's quiet for mm-hmm. a wee while, but then she's off again. 
Okay, couple of things. Um, first of all, I wonder, is there something outside she's hearing and wanting to get out to? So the two things I think about uh, this time of year are hedgehogs and foxes. So have you got those going on in your garden? Maybe do a little bit of investigation. There's not much you can do if you have, um, but that's one explanation. The other thing I would just question is how old is the dog? So... In elderly dogs, you can get a little bit of kind of cognitive dysfunction and a little bit of senile dementia. And so that, that kind of behaviour can be seen as a as part of a dementia process. So if, if the dog is elderly, have a chat with your vet and there are different medications you can give to try and help with that. So if it's not because you've got exciting things outside and it's not senile dementia, then I would wonder, is it's some kind of behavioural issue. As I say, there's something that's irritating or upsetting the dog. I would have a chat with the vet first of all and just get her checked out, make sure there's no illness ir- irritation, no problem that she's not got itchy skin or a poorly tummy or there's something that's waking her up and making her feel irritated. And if all that comes up clear, then I would have a chat with a behaviourist. I think you're going to need to have a, the best uh, chat with them and then they'll give you ideas on how to respond to it. Because the problem is that normally when the dog starts making all this sound then you go down to kind of quiet the dog and you let the dog out. And so it becomes kind of self-rewarding behaviour in that the dog is getting the attention that the dog wants. So as I say, if you've ruled out physical illness, if you've ruled out dementia, if you've ruled out little visitors to your garden, um, get the number of a behaviourist from your vet. 086 1800 658. That is the number if you want to put the questions. 086 1800 658 for your questions. Here's another. We're moving house soon to a new place a couple of miles from mm. where we currently live. We have a cat. She's four years old and we're bringing her with us, naturally. People are telling us she'll stray back to our present home. Uh, will you ask Sinead, Jerry? how can we get over this issue? Yeah, I mean, she might well go back. Two miles isn't really very long when it comes to cat walk so uh, what I, I tend to advise to people when they move with a cat is for the first three or four weeks the cat should be a house cat so don't let her out because if you let her out and she hasn't actually formed a relationship with the house that sounds crazy but that's what cats do so keep her in for about a month have a chat with your vet about getting the I'm back on about appeasing pheromones so the feelyway diffuser or the feelyway dispenser um, these cat appeasing pheromones they help the cat to relax and de-stress and get her feeling happy in her own surroundings so what you want to do is you want to have her thinking this house is my territory and this is where I'm going to come back to. So between that and the keeping her in for about four weeks you should be okay. And then what I would probably do when you do let her out maybe just let her out in the garden when you're out, let her out for ten minutes and then come back in again. So get her used to just being out for small periods of time before you let her out for good. Because she will return yeah, she to the home base. That is for, one, so, yeah. for sure and, and then you'll be in trouble. I want to talk about two things in general. Thanks for those questions. If we get more now, we'll hold them over. We'll try to get them before Sinead leaves us. But there's a couple of issues with dogs I want to come back to. And, and in a way, they're, they're perennials, annuals. They happen every year. Um, ticks in dogs. Mm. I, I, Messi, I was talking to somebody lately and I was telling them that I was taking him out for swims mm. at the weekend. And they were saying to me, look, be very careful when you swim him because when he comes out then and he's in the long grass yeah, and that, yeah. more likely the ticks will attach. Yeah, yeah, I mean, ticks are around. They tend to be most active spring and autumn, but they can be active right through from spring through the summer to the autumn. And basically what the ticks do is they're in the undergrowth, in the grass, um, and they they go questing. That means the, the kind of juvenile tick goes looking for a host on which it can suck blood to 
to, to live. That might be sheep or cattle, it could be us, it could be dogs, whoever passes by. And then the tick you see is normally has normally been on for a few days and has fed on some blood and so its body has got a little bit bigger. Now there's two different approaches. The most sensible approach is to get prophylactic treatment. So you can either get them, there's a, a product called Frontline which you can use as a spot on or as a spray which will act for a month to prevent you getting ticks or there's a, 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 what I think is an easier product now called Brevecto which is an oral tablet and that basically if, if the dog is dosed with that every three months it protects you from ticks for three months. So that I find is probably the most effective one because you don't have to worry about the dog swimming after having it or anything like that. If you are not using any tick treatment and you see ticks um, the best thing to do is if you're confident then you can try and remove them with the tweezers but you have to twist them anti-clockwise and remove them at the same time. So that can be a bit fiddly and if you don't do it properly the little head and mouth parts can stay behind and the dog can get a little abscess. So probably the best thing to do is, is pop down to your vet and get them removed properly um, at the vet if you see them. But ticks, they can carry diseases like Lyme disease and, and there are a few more exotic diseases now that we didn't used to see in this country that we are beginning to see. So you definitely don't really want your dog having ticks. So, so definitely, you know, have a chat with your vet about getting treatment for them. It's warm. I don't have to tell you, Sinead. Yeah. The, the summer, no matter what you say about the weather, it is it's, warm. Yeah, it and, is. and it's much warmer uh, at times. Now, heat and dogs, and we've come to this before, and to talk about, first of all, let's come back to the car issue, because I read another horror story lately oh, about Lord. somebody leaving a dog in a car. Look, you should never leave a dog no, in a car. Ever, no, ever. No, they just, I mean, the temperature in the car, I mean, I think they were showing during the week last week, the temperature can rise up to, you know, nearly 100 degrees Celsius in a really short period. So really, you can't leave the dog in the car. You just can't. So, I mean, you know, you just have to decide that if you're going somewhere that the dog is going to come with you you have to make sure that there's somebody else with you who can hold the dog outside the shop or something like that but do not leave the dog in the car okay that's number one the dog number one will be really uncomfortable and really distressed it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
number two will get very sick and will die and they and it's a horrible horrible thing that happens to them their their organs all start to overheat and um, they end up with huge metabolic disturbances and, and they die and it's really really unpleasant so definitely do not leave them in the car from the point of view of your other kind of looking after them in the hot weather you're better to walk them in the earlier part of the day and the later part of the day before it's too hot um, maybe bring a little drink of water in a bowl with you they can have a drink when they're on the walk maybe bring a little spray bottle like a water cooler that you can spray them water to cool them down or bring them somewhere where they can go for a swim and also be careful if you bring your dog out on the pavement um, just take your put your hands on the pavement or take your shoes off and put your bare feet on the pavement and feel how hot it is because when the temperature is hitting you know the high 20s or early 30s you know the the boiling it'll be boiling the, the pavement and that's going to cause pain and discomfort and maybe even blistering to the pads so just check the pads check the pavement and see is it okay for your dog to walk on it so they're the, the main things to bear in mind the other thing exercise should you ease off a bit particularly in the heat of the day yeah, you know yeah. dogs so, yeah as i said our early morning and late late evening are the best times uh, and as i say maybe try and incorporate a waterway on your walk where your dog can go for a swim or bring water with you that you can cool the dog down with spray them or, or or give them a drink just kind of sensible precautions that everybody would do and just be aware some dogs are more prone to to the problem so all the squashed face dogs the brachycephalics the ones that have have been selectively bred by humans for some crazy reason to have squash faces they overheat much much more quickly because they don't have room um in their in their nose and their mouth for for all the normal structures they can't uh, cool down as as quickly as other dogs so they are going to be very very prone to heat stroke also dogs who maybe have uh, pre-existing uh, respiratory or cardiac issues or very elderly or very young they're going to be more likely to have problems as well Just a quick one before we go dog eating its own feces uh, well, if she's let out she'll even eat cat feces too, tried pineapple in our food but it only stopped it for a few days. The dog is a poodle uh, cross with a bichon. Okay, again, check that the dog's on a complete balanced diet, that it's not, you know, eating the feces because it's feeling, you know, deficient in something. And then there is a specific um, medication you can get from the vet that you, you feed them and it makes the stools taste utterly repellent. So have a chat with your vet about that. If it's the other animal's feces that it's that it's eating, then all you can try and do is, is I mean, as I always say, lift the feces really, really quickly so you're not giving them any opportunity to do it but have a chat with your vet about the, the stool repellent somebody says good way to keep dog cool make treats with ice in it there you go <laughs> so yeah not? yeah that's not too bad the only problem I worry sometimes about ice cubes is sometimes from a choking point of view and things like that so maybe just be a little bit careful with that okay there you go Sinead thank you so much always great advice for so many questions from our listeners thank you for joining You're us again welcome. and we'll see you next time round Sinead Absolutely. Kelly our vet on late lunch this afternoon I'm looking for three words. I have a great prize to give you today from Signature Furniture. Oh, it's that beautiful uh, floor rug. It's huge. It's 1.7 by 1.2 metres. Sure, it'll fill your room. It's nearly 200 euro it's worth. I've given two clues already. The third clue is this, and I'm looking for a word. Here it is. Sometimes life is not a something of roses. What's the word I'm looking for? Sometimes life is not a something of roses. What's the word I'm looking for related to the house? Well, I give them all three clues again. I shouldn't. I'll be killed, but I will. The first one was, the goalkeeper played a blinder, keeping it clean. What? What's the word I'm looking for? Second one, don't you ever darken my something again. What's the word I'm looking for there? And then the last one, sometimes life is not a something of roses. Three words, get texting now, 086-1800-658, or WhatsApp your answer as well, with your name 
details where you are and we'll pick a winner before the end of the show. I have three fine men in the studio now and guess what? They're heading off to Newcastle Gateshead for the World Transplant Games and that's happening in mid-August. I'm delighted to welcome to Late Lunch this afternoon and they're all recipients of transplants. Jerome Linus, Tommy Marrett and Tony Gavigan. You're all welcome to the show. Great to see you all, boys. Thank you very much for joining me. You all have wonderful stories in your own right. Jerome, tell me yours and about this transplant, a kidney transplant, yes. I had a kidney transplant about 15 months ago and uh, made a tremendous... uh, difference to my life like I'm able to do things again you know like and it just goes to show organ donation how it can change people's lives so much you know like mm. um, I was in Spain last week with my wife Deirdre and my two granddaughters Hannah and uh, Sienna and I was able to get into the pool when I was on dialysis and that and sick you couldn't no so no. life has really begun again in a way for you, oh, yes? Oh, yeah, big time, yeah. You know. how, how long were you living with uh, kidneys not functioning? How many years? Uh, no, about um, two and a half or three not years. Not too long. Yeah, and then I was sick for a year coming up before I got the dialysis, about four years before... Mm. Uh, so it was a steadily uh, decline. decline of your kidney function and it just came to the point where... The, was dialysis tough on you? Yeah, it was. Uh, the first 10 months I was in Calvin, Calvin Hospital and uh, then I started doing peritoneal dialysis at home mm. and that gave me a new lease of life because I was able to do things because I had dialysis every night. Okay. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know. So, But uh, it's not easy when you're trying to cope with this. And I'm sure you feel debilitated if this comes along with it, does it, oh, as well? Yeah. And no energy. Exhausted all yeah, the time. All of the time. Yeah, but uh, there was a big change But when I'd done the peritoneal dialysis. Mm. I got to Tenerife and I got to Spain and Lourdes and places. Okay. You know, because I was able to bring my machine with me. Yes. And uh, Beaumont arranged all the fluids out in the hotel so okay. that was a big thing you know yeah. I, I saw you writing uh, about how grateful you are to the person who donated the unknown person the kidney to you and you think of them all the time all the time every day mm. every day because like only for them like I don't know I mightn't be here today you know what I mean yes. like the health could have went completely mm. you know like and every day I get up it's a bonus. You're grateful. You know, oh, yeah, big time. Yeah, you, you know, you'd never look back. Mm. You know, I don't look back anymore. Mm. I live every day as it comes. As we should all do, but yeah. sometimes it takes a trauma in life to ground us and make us waken up and smell the coffee. You're going to these games. It's your first time going, yes? It is indeed, Of yeah. course it is, because yeah. it's a, you're a very recent transplant recipient. What are you taking part in at the games? Uh, I'm going to play darts and I'm going to play petanque. Okay. And petanque is like... You know the, the 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 ball. It's it's a metal ball, a little smaller than bulls, as they call it. Yeah, is it? Yes, it is indeed. Yeah. Okay. So um, so they're your specialities. Well, hopefully <laughs> we'll know. We'll, give it a go. We'll, we'll know soon enough. Is right. Tommy Marrett, welcome to late lunch. Thank you, Jerry. Good to see you. Thank you for joining me. H- have you the transplant longer? Well, I have to say, Jerome is quite recent. When did you receive yours? Uh, in February two thousand and sixteen. Right, okay. So you're earlier than this man here. What was your story? How long were you in, in difficulty? Um, well, it was actually 2000, August 2014. Uh, I was diagnosed with something called plasma paresis. Oh, sorry, it was called um, good pasture syndrome. It's when your antibodies attack your kidneys. Okay. So the treatment for that is dialysis and plasma paresis. Um, both, both 
uh, uh, both things involve taking the blood from your body and and purifying it, put it back in again. Okay, asthma priests are removing the antibodies, right? And putting the blood back in. But this so. is all tied in with the kidney function. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this this dialysis or what you described there, this went on for a while before you got the transplant. Um, I suppose it's eighteen months in total. Right. Okay. Uh, from and, and were you able to? Are you working? Are we able to work with this or what? What was the story? Uh, not at the time. At the time the work I had was finished, so yeah. it's actually off work. At the okay. Time. Right. Uh, you, you, could you function properly at work when you're going through this? Uh, well, when I was at work, I was fine. I, yeah. I, I finished work at the time. Okay. Uh, when this happened. Mm. Uh, but again, it does it does leave you very tired. Okay. So it know? would have been difficult to hold down yeah. employment or, or yeah. a job. Um, do you remember when you got the call for the transplant? Well, I got it from my sister. So I knew it was coming. <laughs> ah, so there was no surprise with this. Yeah. What about back to you? Was yeah. yours a surprise? Uh, tell me. Oh, yeah, very much so. Yeah, it came about uh, ten past two in the morning. Okay. Yeah. So, Jerome, you didn't know? No, I did not. But you were prearranged. Yeah. yeah. So you yeah. knew when this was happening. So yeah. your sister donated to you? Yeah. My, oh, my. Yeah. That's extra special, isn't it? Oh, it is, yeah. Of course it is, yeah. 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 So yours was prearranged and you knew this was happening. Is the procedure itself a, a, a big thing? Um, well, it is. Mm. It is. Now, I'm sure the surgeons are quite confident that they do it the whole time. Yeah. But obviously, to people under the operation, obviously, it's, uh, it's mm. a big thing. <laughs> you go in, you get the call, you go For in. both people. Yes. Is, is there, are you long in hospital and, and do you get out and is the recovery long term or uh, short term? I think it varies uh, on person to person. It could yeah. depend on complications and mm. other things. Uh, but it, it's... It's it's a big drama for both people. Okay, you know, e- even for your sister, the donor, a live donor, yeah. it's a big issue for them as well. Yeah, some people say it's even harder for oh, the donor. I see for yeah. the donor, isn't that interesting to, yeah. to to learn that? And of course, you are both that you continue. You'll be on ongoing medication yeah. for this rejection thing for 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 good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a small thing, isn't it? In small the small thing, yeah. <laughs> Did you feel that as well? I here I am. It's yeah. we, here we go again. Life yeah. number two. Yes, yeah, that's it. Yeah. What yeah. are you doing? What, what what's your speciality at these uh, world transplant games? Uh, playing badminton in singles and playing badminton doubles, uh, batonk. Yeah. Uh, bowling. Oh, 10-pin bowling as well. Yeah, yeah, and something called a ball throw. Okay. I'm not sure what that is, but I was <laughs> put down for it anyway. You're so going to find out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I soldiered many years on the badminton courts myself, all round yeah. Louth, Mead and, and the country as well. It's a great game, isn't it? Is, it? Yeah. it yeah. is a wonderful, wonderful game. Yeah. So you're all set to go, everything uh, ready to uh, to roll. And uh, for you, first game's for you, yes? It is, yeah. Okay, so first game's for you. That's two down, one to go, and he's waiting patiently. Tony <laughs> Gavigan, you're very welcome to Late Lunch. Much, Great to much. see you. Um, now, you're the experienced man, is that right? Oh, you, you, you've yeah. been there before. The soldier. Yeah. How many <laughs> games, Tony, have you been to? Uh, my first one was 2007 in Thailand. That was World Games. Uh, I was in Malaga the last two years ago. Uh, I had Europeans in Dublin, and we're having them there again next year. A little... Uh, uh, plus for Ireland again and where we can box and show what we can do in organising the games and that yeah. sort of stuff. That's good for that point. Okay, so these two boys are delighted that they are. And look how laid back he is. Yeah. The other two, I can tell you, have the Irish shorts. And I'm <laughs> sure. Sure, look at Tony says, I have a box of them shorts at home yeah, at this yeah. stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
your story. You 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 definitely go back a few years ahead of these guys with the I transplant. Do. Well, well, uh, my story is quite a lot different mm. uh, uh, in that uh, I have a leg on both sides of the fence from the point of view that uh, I lost my child twenty ninety six. Kyle. Um, Kyle, thank you, yeah. And uh, when he died, uh, he was in Beaumont on life support for a number of days. And there we uh, had his organs donated. We knew that uh, it wasn't going to be a good result. And uh, we were proactive in talking to the nurses and uh, making sure that we could have organs donated because uh, uh, it's very important uh, uh, I think, and there's things since that, like little did I know then uh, how important it was uh, to donate and uh, uh, when I, I, shortly afterwards then I got sick and I didn't know what was wrong with me for a while. So Kyle passed and you donated yeah, his organs and yeah. today he lives on in other people. In other people. Isn't yeah, that just do, something yeah, else? Yeah, so yeah. you you saw that, that must be a very tough time to well, you for I won't, I don't think words can do it anyway. But what I'd like to say there, uh, uh, and some people would wonder, how can somebody like us think of their donor, right, so often? We say that we think of them every day. Because when we were sick, while, while we might have looked half ordinary, there was an awful lot of things we couldn't do, right? And it's in doing them things again we go along and say, I know personally myself, I can say, well, thanks be to God for my donor. And that's why I always say my donor. And I also, uh, in that, you see, I have Kyle because he was a donor. Yes. And and it's in it's in remembering that we couldn't do some little chores, the smallest thing. Mm. And then you go along and say, no, I wouldn't have been able to do that, but for my but donor. But for that person. And that's why, that's really uh, uh, the simple way of explaining why we can remember our donor I every understand. day. Yes. Right. And I think yeah. that's important because people would say how can they do it well that's yeah. an important mm. thing it certainly uh, and is. that's coming from my point of view mm. you know now you got the kidney because yeah. this followed quite quickly that you were within in two years dif- I were in difficulty yeah, yeah as yeah, well yeah, yeah. Uh, and the, the transplant happened for you yeah, yeah. and like the boy said as well again you've mentioned it there life has changed what about this group you're involved with and the transplant games how important is that well my first experience actually was national games in Dublin mm. and I hadn't met I was about three years transplanted at that stage and when I went up and met like people uh, people who had a transplant on ready and had a couple of years and you see the first thing you do is what transplant do you have mm. right and we all compare notes as it were and we all have odd feelings and odd things going on in our bodies all of the time ever since and we're talking to people who've been there already. Mm. And you know that the crazy things that are going on and the things you have in your head, that you're actually normal. That's <laughs> one of the things. Well, I, I'm looking around the table here. You're more normal than yourselves. <laughs> Hold that conversation there. I want to take a short break. Coming back with the boys, Tony Gavigan is telling a story and we'll find out what he excels at and why he'll be bringing back more medals from the games and the rest of the boys as well in Newcastle and Gateshead. Stay with us on Late Lunch. They're all from the northeast. Jerome Linus, Tommy Marrett, and Tony Gavigan are heading to the World Transplant Games, representing Ireland between the 17th and 23rd of August in Newcastle. Gates said, "Tony, back to you there. Tell us uh, what your specialities are." Uh, golf and patonk. That famous word that we're all trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very similar to bulls. That's probably yeah, like yeah, the best yeah, way. Of yeah, and it. people would understand yeah, that. Yeah, what yeah. about the golf? Tell me a bit about the golf. Oh, the golf is the golf is is is. Uh, very tricky because uh, it, it, 
Ireland actually won the singles and the four ball uh, at the World Games in Malaga two years ago. Oh, right. So we're really high good. expectations, and not alone that. Then, like some of those fellas have uh, made the trip over to see what the golf course is like over in Newcastle. Okay. And we are set. We as in the transplant uh, golfers, we've already done a bit of bonding and met a couple of times and played a game or two together and that sort of stuff. So very serious. You boys very. are under pressure because of a fella called Lowry and because of a fella called. McManus, who's bringing the Ryder Cup here in a, a few years' time, and because of that win two years ago, come on. Yeah, well, hold on. Actually, actually, I, I'm glad you said that now because uh, your man McManus, what he should be doing now is bringing the legs of us down there <gasps> to trial his course. Can I tell you and something? I, I, I said it the other day. <laughs> I played it uh, last October. Yeah, I played it. I did no play the way. course. I did. And oh. I have never, ever played a golf course like it. And will I tell you, Tony, I'm going to say it again. I'm I proud. I want I to say you. this again. <laughs> I birdied the first hole. No way. I should have just put all the clubs in the bag and gone, gone back to the clubhouse <laughs> and just looked out. We won't talk about the rest of it. Oh, but I hate it. you. I hear what you're saying. Yes, JP, come on. The transplant yeah, golf yeah, team would yeah. love to play your course. Look, yeah, yeah. you have something you want to read for me there. Yes. You said to me you'd like to read and let listeners have a l- ponder on this. What yes, is this, yes, Tony? It's a, it's a little piece that I found uh, uh, another transplant recipient. He's actually uh, Welsh. And he said this, it's, it's, it's about organ donation. I don't want to be buried with a single organ in my body. Give them to a child that has spent more time inside the hospital than outside playing. My eyes will give a grandma vision to see her grandchildren. My lungs will give a teenager the breath to dance the night away at a dance. My heart will beat in another mother's chest to see her children grow up. If you have something you no longer need, give it away. Now, I think personally that that's a great way of... Uh, look, at I experienced the loss of my child and I have to say I... I ha- I find the words very difficult to put together when you're telling somebody to donate their organs and sort of if you don't what happens and that sort of thing. So I think that's a v- I just thought when I saw that and 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 I have it in my phone. I I took a photograph of it when I saw it because it's a lovely way of uh giving somebody advice about organ donation and this is with all the fun here that we're having and all that sort of stuff it really hasn't been fun it has not a a, a cakewalk uh, this whole experience of getting sick and coming back together and uh, for me uh, uh, going through the grieving process after we lost Kyle uh, it has been a help to yes. know that there are other people out there. There are uh, people who've had got kidneys. I got a kidney. So I know, uh, uh, and I'm so grateful for the kidney that I got. And I'm also so glad uh, that that when we did lose Kyle, that we had the foresight then, because I hadn't been sick at all, uh, to have donated his organs and also cornea. Now, there was other organs that couldn't be donated, but they were for uh, medical reasons, if I yes. can call them that at the so time. So the reason know. Tony is uh, talking a lot about this today, we want to use this opportunity in the context of the games and three wonderful stories that we have here today to say to you listening today, 
do tick that little box. Do go and make provision. Now, listen to what we're talking about today and look at the new lease of life it's given these three men and that Kyle's organs have to other unknown people as well. Go and make sure you do the necessary to donate. That people know you are ready to donate if something untoward should happen to any of us. I've done it. Please go and do it. That's what we're saying today. Let me come back to the other two boys and talk to them for a minute. Are you excited, tell me, Jerome, you know, to be part of this team and looking forward to the games? Are you a competitive fella? Oh, I am, yeah. Very. You like to win? Yeah, all the time. (laughs) (laughs) All my life. (laughs) That's what we love to hear. So that spirit is heading over to Gateshead this year with you. How's the fishing going? Your young fellow was on the show here with me, wasn't he, a while yeah, ago? Yeah, Tony, yeah. Oh, he's doing well. Like, um, he won the Leinster <coughs> last year in the senior, and he represented Ireland at senior level now, at juvenile, when you entered, yes. interviewed him. Uh, yeah, he's flying now, you know. So he's listening now, he'd be delighted. We wish him well. Daddy said, mention yeah, <laughs> Absolutely, he's got back on again onto the show. Ah, oh, we wish him well, and you know I'm an, an old angler myself, and I know what it's mm. all about, and it is competitive, the angling, oh, yeah. but in a nice type of way as mm. well. There's a great social... Oh, <laughs> well, look, he's... Oh, my God, I wouldn't like to be on the other side of things to you when you go over there. The darts, you'd never know where they'd go. <laughs> are you good Are you good at the darts? Will you... Ah, be okay, like, yeah. um, better a few years ago. Yeah, but time, age. Yeah, but sure, that's it. And, and of course, this is done in different age categories mm-hmm. as well. What about you, Tommy? You're looking left and right there. You're stuck in the middle, like <laughs> Steelers' wheel here with these two boys. <laughs> what about you? Are you as competitive as these fellas? Yeah, well, I've always been involved in sport. Uh, my main sport was actually was karate. Okay, uh, I've done karate now for forty years. Right. Uh, so, even though I'm not competing now, I still like like uh, the club people I teach. Are competing, mm. and in November now I'm bringing the team to Hungary to compete in the World Europeans. Really? So yeah. you really are sports yeah. through and through. So yeah. this for you as well is uh, one that you want to go there. You want to win, don't you? You're not going yeah. there uh, for the ride, as they say. No. You're going there to bring back medals. <laughs> Isn't that the yeah. idea? Yeah. There's 39 people on the Irish team. Have you come together? Has there been a session together yet, or anything like that? Well, or? once a month we come together to train. Okay. Uh, but not everyone can make it because people from Cork, Cork, carry all over the country. Yes, and it can be difficult to everyone trying to get to Dublin. Mm. Um, but you know, at the same time, yeah. Uh, but generally, we, most of us, I think, have met up at the stage. Yeah. So Ireland have a team of thirty-nine, and there are thousands of people coming from all over the world to these games. Yeah, I think I think the last time was two thousand two hundred thirty-seven go. competitors. Yes. God, it's a big event, isn't it? Yeah. It's a yeah. big event for a city as well, you know. To, yeah. to and, and you've been there, you've seen uh, what it's yeah, like. It's huge, Tony. Yeah, absolutely huge, and the organisation mm-hmm. of it and the logistics of getting the thing uh, done and transport and getting locations in that forest, like I said, it's huge. And as I said earlier on, uh, the European Games are coming to Dublin next year. Great. And uh, we've had previous experience of doing that. Yes. And, like, it's a wonderful badge to have, mm. to have it to say that you've done European. And the more than, like, uh, Lowry and golf, like, we've done it up there. Uh, and I would say that in a couple of years' time that uh, we'll be able to show that we can ha- hold the World Games. Yes, you know, here in Ireland. Absolutely. And that yeah, has to be not? the aim you as know. well. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I have to leave it there today. Thank you all for coming in to Late yeah. Lunch. Yeah. And I want to wish Jerome Linus, Tommy Marrett and Tony Gavigan and all of the 39 competitors from Ireland, all the very best to Newcastle Gateshead in August bring back the bacon, if these three are anything to go by, so they won't be able to get the place
plane off the ground with the way that the medals when they're they're flying back (laughs) and do do get that done get the job done today sign up for organ donation very very important gentlemen good luck thank Thank you very much for joining us thank you signature furniture annual stock disposal sale they have some fantastic prizes for us and late lunch this week if you're looking for sofas chairs dining beds mattresses or occasional furniture you just got to call in to Signature Furniture, Dramiskin Castle, Bellingham. Their stock, annual stock disposal sale. It's ending next Monday, the 6th of August. Sorry, it's not the 6th, is it? Next Monday at 6 o'clock. It's Bank Holiday Monday, 6 p.m. The sale ends at Signature Furniture, Dramiskin Castle, Bellingham. They'd love to see you there. And there's some great bargains to be had. Today's prize and late lunch, a floor rug, 1.7 by 1.2 metres. It's huge. 200 euro it's worth. Who's the winner? Well, we better sort out the words we were looking for. Louise, the goalkeeper played a blinder, keeping it clean. I got this wrong earlier. You did. I did. Uh, sheet is sheet, the right answer. Sheet is the answer we I were looking slate. for. Oh my God! No, no, clean the slate is something Top else. Place. Goalkeeper, clean, clean sheet. Uh, don't you ever darken my door? Door again. It's right. And sometimes life is not a bed of roses. So sheet, door, bed, loads and loads of right answers by WhatsApp or text. We put the right ones into the hat. We spun them round. And the name that's come out today to win that lovely, lovely prize, the floor rug, is PJ Collins from Town in County Mead. Well done to you. We'll be in touch after the show. And we've another great prize from Signature Furniture. Check them out tomorrow on Late Lunch. It's over. It's, it's over. over. It's over. It's over. He didn't win it. He didn't. He came third. Ah, you might as well be last. Who won Love Island? Uh, it was actually in a very manicured nail-biting finish. I wish. Uh, Greg O'Shea, the Limerick chap, won it with Amber Gill. Well, I do really, know. Really, she won it for I him. do know that he's not that long No, on he's only in it two weeks. And he's won it. So who? what's the prize? 50,000. And how does that break? 25 each? 25 each, but in a kind of a twist last night. They asked him. Yeah. You know, she kind of won it, really, mm. for her ups and downs in there. And they asked him... Do you want to uh, share it or do you want to steal it from her? Oh, so thankfully he no. said he'll share it with her because Twitter would have went mad if he had said ballistic, he stole it. Ballistic. So 25,000 each. What about Maura? Maura came fourth. Yeah. Out of four? Out of four. Was she, had she a wasp in the mouth? Well, according to Twitter, she was raging. But was she? Uh, she had a bit of a face <laughs> on her own. I think you got right. the accent spot on there. I think it could be a stand-in. <laughs> Say that to me again. She, she was, was raging. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, so but it's... she gets uh, to win because social media experts reckon she's gone up to 1.5 million followers on Instagram and she reckons for a single Instagram post she'll get 20,000. 20, really? Uh-huh. So she might be the winner of the lot. In the long run. Yeah, yeah, in the long run. Do they expect her to get some work out of this or something like that? I think that? she's been lined up for a TV series of her Is own. Is she already? Chat show or something. Oh, my God. Mm. Well, there you go. Um, no joy for Maura, but I can tell you, one of my favourites, yes, I know it's only the end of July, but it won't be long yeah. till it starts again, Strictly Come Dancing as a new judge. Motsi is in there. Motsi Mabuse. Oti Mabuse is one of the great dancers on Strictly right. uh, on BBC. And our sister now is coming in as judge. That won't be easy, will it? 
Are you allowed to do that? Well, she'll be dancing. She's a professional dancer, Odie, and her sister is coming in as a judge. Motsi Mabuse is the new judge, replacing the wonderful Darcy Boss. They're going to be scrutinised now. Yes, little update for Strictly Come Dancing fans, and I know it has massive, massive fans. When does that start? Well, I think probably September. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, it starts September and then it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Talk it about in August. September. <laughs> it starts in September. I didn't mention the other thing, only the start of it. Anyway, you've come across a lovely wee story that we're going to uh, talk about next. Cri- the Central Hotel in Navin, Crinians. Crinians, as it was always. Do you remember been. it? Um, I, I kind of remember it, but I don't remember it in its heyday, which would have been probably the 60s and 70s yeah. when it everyone used to get You were in there. the nightclub. I was in the nightclub. Oh, didn't she was? <laughs> yeah. it, it became what? A bar and nightclub after the hotel, was yeah, it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was, yeah. It closed about 20 years ago, though. Okay. Yeah. The Central Annette. Hotel in Navin. Folks, are Marcus we jogging Square. anybody's memory out there? The Central Hotel in Navin. Have you anything to say about it? Have you memories of it when it was a hotel and a thriving hotel at that? Well, let me tell you, it's about to uh, rise from the ashes like a phoenix. And we're going to talk to the man behind the project, Leon Duffy, next. Afternoon, Leon. Jerry, how are you keeping? I'm very well indeed. Tell us this. How long are you in possession of this historical place? Uh, I signed contracts on the 22nd of April 2017. 24th of April 2017. OK, so you're a couple of years at, at this at this stage. Yeah. What's your vision? Where do you see it going? Where do I see it going? Uh, the ultimate goal on it, Jerry, would be a small cafe and guest house, guest accommodation, um, catering for up to maybe about 20 rooms. Okay, so you want to bring it back to a guise that it was in many moons ago. You know you, and I don't have to tell you this, the history of this place goes way back, doesn't it, the oh, centre? Oh, it goes way, way back, right back to seven, uh, circa 1780. Oh, it's, 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 there's a proper, there's a building on the oldest maps of Navan on this site. Um, and I can, go, I can, I, I have a, it's listed back to, we say, 1780 uh, on the National Heritage Council website. But I can, I can go back to myself, I can go back to 1840 on it. Right. Um, and it's just from, from Summerhill, they uh, took possession of it. Uh, he took possession in 1940. Uh, his name was Nicholas Kelly, and he opened his hotel in here. Um, he originally was across the road in what's now the Bank of Ireland. Is and his after ten years of being in Navan, it burnt down. His house burnt down, and he moved across the square to this property. And then the the Royal Hibernian was built on his own site, okay. and he had possession. Then I, I've I've all the history here of it. Um, from what I can go back. Yeah, all the owners, all the people who've been there. Crinian's yeah. name, when was Crinian's associated with Crinian's it? Crinian's associated with it in 1899. And they were there for a long spell then, weren't they? Yeah, they were here until 1984, I think it is. 1984, 1985. Right, and then uh, it ceased to be a hotel as such, but it was well known, wasn't it, as a nightclub. I mentioned that to our Louise. That's right, yeah. It was Oliver Sheeran purchased it in around 1984, 1985, and it became the Beaufort Inn. Um, it had a nightclub at the back, which was known more recently, I suppose, as the Blue Angel. When I say recently, we're 25 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then that, that part of the building is no longer standing. That, um, that left with further future development on the property. 
Um, but we're still left with the main crux of the building, which is your five-bay, uh, two-story, five-bay, three-story over basement. Yeah, it's a, it's uh, a substantial on, on building. Way. Yeah, it yeah, is substantial. Yeah, yeah. Now, the, you have a link to this place because... Wasn't there a camper van, I'm told, in the nightclub? You have that camper van, do you? I had that camper van, yeah. Um, just just pure coincidence. My wife always wanted a VW camper. And there was one for... It's not that it was even for sale. There was a gentleman out, out at Martry. We called in one day and spotted this camper van and we bought it off him. Now, we never, we never fulfilled getting it restored, but he bought it off Oliver Sheeran out of the nightclub. <laughs> and he, he restored it back in the 80s or you know, the late 80s or early 90s. Um, we subsequently sold it on then to, I think it was Crazy Campers who looked after full restoration of the vehicles. Right. Um, so, yeah, like, <laughs> it's Funny. Amazing. Yeah, the link, the link and the, those the, the link there, yeah. connections in life. You, you, you're with me today because you want to ask people uh, uh, something special. You, you want yeah. people to jog their memories and go on, tell them what you want, what, what yeah. you're looking for. We're, we're running an event for Heritage Week, which runs from the 17th to the 25th of August. And we are hoping to have an exhibition within the hotel itself on the ground floor. So we have, I have the... Crinians have donated stuff on loan for me, some original artwork and bits and pieces that used to hang in the front lounge. So they will be on display in the bar along with some Heritage uh, National Library uh, photographs that we've got printed out under licence from them dating back to circa 1880 of the square. So it's a very special photograph. I'm not going to give away what's in it, but people should come and have a look at it. But I'm looking for anything old Navin any memorabilia, letterheads, um, dinner dance tickets, photographs of the square, wedding photographs, anything at all that's kind of going to bring people's memories back to what this building used to be over its lifetime. Well, there you have it. And it will be taken and looked after and put on display will, and everything, returned. Everything will be, everything will be categorised, who it came from, who donated it. Um, if if they're a bit nervous about it, we can, we can scan it, take a photograph of it and give them straight back the original but everything will be 100% safe and they'll be ticketed for everything that they give in and they'll receive everything back. How will people get in touch with you? What's the easiest? Call in? The, the, um, not necessarily call in. If they want to... Well, look, they can, you can give them my phone number there or you can stick it up on, on Okay. Line. There's no problem there. Go on, give out your number now. Yeah, it's 86 Okay. That's the uh, easiest way to get in touch with you. Okay, just give me a call. I'm on the phone the whole time, so there's no problem there. Okay, uh, Leon Duffy is his name. Leon is the man you ask for. Oh eight six three double eight nine zero nine seven. That's oh eight six three double eight nine zero nine seven. We have that number in case you hadn't time to take it down, and we'll pass it on to you if you ring the usual LMFM numbers. It's a great wee story. Good luck to you with it, and I'm sure you're going to be inundated uh, with <laughs> offers for the for the uh, week in August. Thanks for talking to me. Thank you. Take care. Leon Duffy there, the man behind the restoration of the Central Hotel. Crinians is the name associated with it in the heart of Navin. That's a lot on late lunch for this Tuesday afternoon. Have a lovely evening and we leave you with the wonderful Ollie Moores. I love this fella. And the song is Thinking About You Now. We think about you on late lunch always. Think of us tomorrow from half one. See you then.
planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.